Hey, this is Dirk Revueren from Megadeth, and you're listening to GhostCultMag.com. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back to the Ghost Cult Magazine Podcast. I'm your host, OJ. We've been gone for a while, but we got a whole bunch of new content to roll out for you in 2023. First up is a January edition of the Stephen Keefe Power Hour. Enjoy. And I am once again joined by the incredible, amazing, wonderful, lovely, mighty, powerful, strong, kind, humble, Stephen Tovey, the senior editor of Ghost Cult Magazine. You've definitely got the wrong intro or the wrong name at the end of that. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, it's, always a, it's always a joy to be with uh, Yeah, man. With the the right. Stephen Keefe Power Hour, as Omar Cordy <laughs> has dubbed it. And um, and it is, it's been a power year for Ghost Cult, man. We turned 10 and we reviewed more albums than ever before. And the quality was off the charts. And I give a lot of that credit to you and our whole staff of writers. And that doesn't leave out all the other people who you and I don't totally oversee or interact with there's a whole other army of people who are also supporting the team and the website and all our social works and our coverage but specifically you know we come here to talk about albums and coverage and the scene and uh yeah it was a phenomenal year just in music in general but also for us and and i want to say thank you and thanks to the staff i i know i sound like a broken record every month but it really would none of this happens without them and nothing not, it's not as good without you so thank you and thanks to you i think you know kind of easy to overlook the your role in it all as well the the emperor overseeing it all you know <laughs> we're fully Maybe. operational and we're destroying planets <laughs> maybe um somehow palpatine came back from the dead that was a bad plot choice i'm just gonna go there i love those movies more than most people who hate them but i was like eh. oh, I was a surprised. it was a little lazy but, but i do love same as you there's not been a star wars release i haven't loved uh, yeah no spoilers i've not seen andor yet so okay so i'll say nothing just think to the, uh, the cinematic ones but i'll, I'll um, say it for you. Um, <laughs> process i have to finish what i'm going through before and i was going back and watching the defenders series um nice. so all right go finish punisher 2 and then i can do iron um, fist is not well. that great but it's not finn, it's not finn jones's fault he's a fine actor in case you saw him in game of thrones uh as loris tyrell and he's a wonderful in general he's a really good actor the problem is as i said before is charlie cox uh, a fine guy for an Irishman. He um, he had a year of martial arts training before they shot one frame of the first season of Daredevil, a year of karate and weapons training. And then Finn Jones, they gave him no training. They threw him into the shooting. And what they would do is they would teach him the fight choreography like five minutes before they filmed the scene. So that's, yeah. you know, there's the quality right there is out the window. I think you can tell um, the stories for the Daredevil and the Punisher so far, three episodes to go with Punisher. Yeah, but yeah. the depths of the story uh, and the, the arcs they've taken them are much more involved and much Better. darker. Yeah, but and then my, thir- my third Luke favorite Cage one is Luke Cage. Just kind of suffer from it. Yeah, they don't get the same depth. Yeah. Like series two of Luke Cage for me was not enough happened. It just kind of good, good character stuff, which is fine, but you don't need 13 episodes of that. Whereas no. with Punisher in particular, they've managed to not make it feel dragged out or drawn out and Man. daredevil again they, it's just when it gets to the last series episode of the series it'd be like, yeah. 
already. Yeah. So I've got to finish that before before I end nice. up. That's my yeah, Punisher's <laughs> great. I believe they're talking about bringing Bernthal back as Punisher, as they absolutely should. And I yeah. love Jessica Jones. A very I used to read oh, the yeah. books, and it's a really hard character to just in general. Like it's a hard read. You have to really invest yourself in the book series. And so I knew, and Kristen Ritter is also, she was in Breaking Bad. She's a very good actress. I felt like it was going to be hard to pull off as a series. And I think they did a really nice job, obviously. Yeah, yeah. that first series in particular is incredible. I always wanted him to be a bad, he's such a good bad guy. And And, uh, back as Doctor Who, which was a nice little surprise at the end of the year. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> oh, I mean, actually, like historically, those actors, uh, all the former Doctor Who big ones, Tennant, uh, Eccleston, right, was in Heroes, which, you know, we don't talk a lot about now, but I used to love that show. And then also in Heroes was um, oh, the other guy who was really good, Tom, I can't remember his last name now. It's going to bother me. But anyway, ah, um. Yeah, man, we we love our sci-fi and our nerd shit, but um, yeah, you you I can't wait for you. Once you see Andor, we're gonna talk a lot about it. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, it's been a great year for music, and um, you know, we did our album of the year rundown. Um, I think there was some definite surprises there. The podcast series was a lot of fun, so you know, shout out to yourself and uh, Vicky Anderson and Gaz as always. And then, uh, you know, the list was interestingly received. It wasn't as much hatred as the last couple, but it was <laughs> but it was funny to see, like, people's reaction to certain placements, as always. And yeah. we were, you know, uh, by design, early, earlier than other places with our list. Look, nobody's expecting, like, Loudwire to have all the death metal bands or Revolver to have the strictly Stoner Doom bands because they cover a lot of stuff. So, you know, it's nice to see a a real, you know, delineation between everybody's lists. And we haven't done a fan vote. Maybe we'll talk next year about doing a fan vote. Yeah, yeah. I've, we've never done one, ever. Uh, we've done a poll, but we've never done a whole vote where we made it a thing. So maybe next year we'll do a fan vote also and see how that uh, see if we're wildly off. Because we did get some interesting uh, reactions to our whole list not so much the ending of the list, but most of the rest of the list. They're like, huh? And that's There's fine. That's... Like, Why is that one album I love at number 64? And not uh, like, it's, well, it's, you know. Our own staff <laughs> is that. Our own staff has that. I get those private yeah. messages. It's like, yo, what's up with this list? Uh, but my favorite ever was uh, of the whole thing wasn't a complaint. It was like Boston Chuck. Uh, my homeboy was like, dude, I can't believe Ithaca's in the top 20. This is amazing. I can't even yeah. believe it. I was like, I can't believe it. I'm so happy. I thought they were much more um, unsung than they are. Hey, to be fair, they, they picked up quite a lot of top 20s across the board, which is great to see because, you, you don't, yeah, you don't know. Uh, you know, they're kind of a small, you think of them, sorry, as a small, not quite DIY band. They're on a decent label, but yeah. they didn't really get the the hype or the push or the tours that have a yeah. day after their first album, the world fell apart and they couldn't follow up on uh, language of injury. And you just don't know. Yeah. But it's been really good to see um, that they've, they've made that next step up from opening to special guests, you know, and then, then we'll see see where that this touring cycle takes them. Hopefully they then land a big one. You know, I think that's a lot of what it takes, isn't it? It's going out with the right 
with the right bands, like for, I don't know, like a Marshy Steve's going out with Parkway or Employed to Surf going out with Kajira, you just need that door to be open to then, you know, then you're at the next stage. Yeah. So hopefully it worked for them. Yeah. But in general, I was, I was pretty amused at the reaction to the list. And then again, we've had also, also again, Richard Benton with the top, curated top 50 death metal records that was gangbusters a lot of appreciation all over the world from some of those bands that maybe they felt unsung which i love you know that's like was the original purpose of ghost cult in the first place some staff lists have emerged your own chris small i'm gonna have one this week uh, matt cook is gonna have one this week so by the time this airs people you can go find these things or maybe i'll link them in the description but it's nice to to kind of put a bow on it. We don't do lists all the time. I am considering doing some listicle type stuff on YouTube just out of curiosity to see how it would go. Um, I don't know how many more videos an Iron Maiden fan wants to watch of the top Iron Maiden albums ranked, but we're going to find out because I'm probably going to do that one first, to be honest. And uh, just, give a, just give it a try. We're just out here. We're just out here pushing our wares. But um, in terms of the, yeah, the staff was marvelous this year. No notes, um, no complaints. Everybody was fantastic. Uh, we really have a well-oiled machine and uh, of writers. And uh, I like to think that generally speaking, all our relationships with PR and labels are pretty good. Nobody was too disappointed or mad if we gave a bad grade out here and there. Or we, you know, invariably we're going to miss some things or skip some things we just can't get to. And um, well, there's an interesting one on that. And um, I think the only time, and it wasn't anything bad, it was quite an interesting conversation. Uh, I won't name the band because then that directly links to the PRs, but we, we gave a quite a high profile band and it's not Megadeth, a seven. Um, and for me, a seven's a positive review. It's good. You know, it's just above average. This is us recommending there's something here for you. Um, and the the, the the conversation back was well, you know, you're not gonna get, you're not going to get a share for a seven, and I, I thought the writer liked it more from what they put than the mark they gave us. And it was just a good conversation. But we're not writing the review to get a share. But you know, if the band want to share it, brilliant. If they like what the writer says, brilliant. If they don't, it's, it's cool. We're writing it to cover it. But it's quite interesting that, that perception of some other sites maybe maybe that's an eight somewhere else, and you're hoping for a retweet, and you get a nice little tagline at the end, and. Yeah, it's kind of, but it's been, yeah, really positive in terms of it's been a, a discourse and a conversation, not a, hey, you only gave big name band seven out of ten for this album. Yeah. You know, I would also good. say it wasn't not, it's not at all a negative review at all. And I will also say, and we had other records that just personally, we gave very high scores to that I didn't personally agree with, but we let it go because you and I have the same philosophy about letting you know writers write and for the most part we don't mess with the grades mostly unless it's you know something glaring like the review doesn't match the grade then you have to you know and we're also one of the few sites i know that this makes me a stick in the mud i'm the one who championed to keep the grades a lot of websites have gotten rid of grades or they're very arbitrary such strangely arbitrary grades like people eating a slice of pizza on youtube or tiktok and saying mm, that's a 7.1 why so we have grades for the why, right? You you know, but for the most part, the grade should, the writing should match the grade and vice versa and vice versa. And I will say this, like, I think just, I just was on another podcast and I said, uh, talking about the music industry. And I said, actually, I think it's bad 
unless it's a bad review, and even, I, I don't expect a publicist label or band to share a bad review, but actually you should share, bands should share bad reviews and take, take it lightly and not do it to whip up their fans, but to be like also to keep humble. And I actually think that when bands don't share, I understand that Megadeth in particular got like thousand, a thousand, let's say Megadeth got a thousand placements, right? Across all kinds of mediums. We still wrote a very good review of that album. We gave them a lot of coverage. And for Megadeth, they should be sharing our stuff. They actually shared our interview with Dirk. So it was weird that they and Dirk shared it personally. So it was like kind of weird. And it's just weird to me. I think for bands and bands listening, if you're a band and you're following this podcast and you're following Ghost Cult, thank you. But also like if somebody takes the time to write about your band, you should definitely share it with your people, even if you didn't like every single thing written about you. But I get it. I, and I know for a fact, labels and PR don't want to be asked to share a bad review. But again, not R7 is like an eight or a nine anywhere else. And again, <laughs> and again we are we, you know, have championed high quality, you know, careful, cautious, thoughtful reviewing for a long time. We're not just pairing the wrong writer with the wrong genre so they can angrily write how much this sucked. Like you don't come to us for that. You can go to other web. There are tons of websites or, you know, just like they only review what they love and everything is no grade and everything reads like a 10. Well, then there's no range then. So you don't know. We, if we're going to review 600 albums, it wouldn't be 600 tens. You wouldn't trust us. And I wouldn't trust us. So I'm not trying to make a case for us because we've been here for 10 years and we'll be here for 11 or more. But, um, you know, just I'd like people to keep that in mind when they're on Twitter or Mastodon or whatever the next thing is angrily or Reddit. There's a lot of Reddit complaints about Ghost Cult. I don't know if you know that. I do because I see the pingbacks on articles that get shared. And I have shared my share there also uh, here and there, but um, usually not reviews. But yeah, people, they're so mad. <laughs> they're so mad. But um, anywho, uh, I don't know. We kind of did kind of like a, a little bit of a year wrap up in in uh, October, but it wasn't the end of the year yet. But we were kind of approaching it like the end of the year. Do you have anything? Did we miss anything you wanted to talk about for November or December that we didn't get to just highlight? Well, yeah, I've just got two. I think I think we pitched it right, to be fair. I mean, December kind of was a bit of a, a no-show in terms of big or good albums. Yeah, I think we look at the average... Uh, talk about grades and ratings. I think most albums reviewed were sevens and sixes across December, and that felt right. Um, but late November, I think, just in terms of the uh, the timings, I think it probably harmed both bands. Um, I do want to give a little shout out when it comes to end of the year coverage. I know you don't release now because you want an album of the year coverage. Yeah, you do. Um, but <laughs> don't release unless you're Baroness. Well, yeah, exactly. Wait till all the reviews are up and then do it. It was the Cosmic Putrefaction a few years back. I think they're late into December. Wait until everyone was playing this out. But yeah, two, two bands, I think, that um, probably would have been much higher on on quite a few different um, end-of-year things. Both quite thrashy. Both, you know, both just want to give a shout-out to High Command um, for Eclipse of the Jewel Moons. Um, on Southern Lord, great album. Um, just, yeah, thrashy, heavy metal, epic metal in there, kind of um, some good sort of black and underground yeah, HM to it. Um, one of my favourite albums of the year, actually, I've uh, been playing it a load. Um, every time I put it on, I just want to go back onto Twitter, which I try not to be on too often, just go, ah, oh, I'm in love with the Spirit World album. It's just like, I don't know, uh, it's just like Slayer with bits of the good, the bad, and the ugly, or something like that. It's just, uh, 
Slayer meets Power Trip, kind of that, it's not, you know, a rip-off by any means, but certain risks you like, ah, someone loves season three bits, which is cool, absolutely cool with me, but that's, album's Death West and on Century Media, they do play up the, uh, the Wild West theme and their artwork and their imagery, and uh, it's a really cool band, I think, in terms of a natural successor to someone like Power Trip, um, you know, they, they, they sit in a nice, nice pocket where it's, it's aggressive, it's thrashy, but it's got quite razor-sharp hooks that will uh, keep, keep you coming back to it. Sounds good. So just the two for me, I think we didn't get to pick up, uh, but just wanted to share the love. Yeah, I like that. I would say also like an EP that missed us because it kind of went, like came out stealthily is this band called Fugitive, which has former members of Power Trip and current members of Creeping Death in the band. And they sound like Power Trip. I got to see them live at Psycho Las Vegas and they just, just what you imagine. They kick ass, all kinds of ass. And I hope they're working on a full length I know the Creeping Death is also working on new music, but like the Power Trip guys don't have anything else going. Um, so this is their band now for the majority of them, for three of them. And um, they, yeah, it's a lot of what you would imagine the next Power Trip would have been like. And um, they're awesome. Uh, you know, they're obviously, you know, no one can hear me shut up about Hammers and Misfortune. Uh, my definite favorite late out of the year album, late. In the year, Elders, another one just came in. I luckily got to hear it early. I did not hear High Command, actually. I still haven't really, other than the single, I haven't heard it. So I feel like I'm missing out. I have FOMO for a rare case of FOMO for the for the editor-in-chief here. But um, yeah, Spirit World is a banger. I love Morricone and, and soundtrack stuff anyway. Anything that's, you know, let please inject something new into this genre that is 50 plus years old. Um, and I'll say um, I'm a little bit biased because I know some of the people in the band, but I will say there's a band, Carnivora, from the U.S., from the Boston area, Salem, Mass., to be exact. And they put out a, a late-in-the-year record that is really awesome, and uh, they've been kind of releasing singles steadily for a couple of years. They finally put out the full length. It's got touches of Machine Head, touches of... Shadows Fall, uh, you know, uh, Unearth, that region of bands, really killer guitar playing, great vocals, uh, just came out too late, I think, to catch people enough, but I highly recommend that one. It's called Petrichor, and it's self-released, and it's amazing. And um, yeah, you know, it's just tough. Where I hope next year we go back to, and should not pine for the olden days, it makes me sound like a grandpa, but... Okay, Boomer, but I would really like next year to have like the record stop in November. Just <laughs> yeah. have Record Store Day Black Friday be what it is. Some bands are going to just put out their thing that day. And then, you know, Christmas box sets and special releases for the halls. I, I really, I got to, again, if you're listening to this and you have a band and you're thinking about, boy, I would really like to make sure our record comes out this year. Why? Don't bother. Wait till Q1 of next year. When there's a clean slate and you yeah. just have an, an fresh ears, all the journos are burned out. People are going to holiday parties and getting smashed and they're not listening to new that much new music. They're listening to the stuff they loved all year. So and looking at lists and maybe they're listening to some new stuff. But like you putting out a brand new record the last six weeks of the year. So it's a weird cycle in it, but you, we all know how it goes. Yeah, you get towards the end of November and you get. And from the start of November, you're listening to the albums from January through to end of October, just yeah. to sort your lists out and final checks. 
late November and December is checking other people's lists and going, ah, I haven't heard High Command, right, getting that in my ears um, and, and stuff like that. So it kind of, yeah. And then you get to post-New Year and suddenly you're like, okay, I'm done with uh, right. Mariah Carey. I'm now, oh, ready for, <laughs> I'm now ready for death metal. What's new? You know? <laughs> I, I can't <laughs> one more Mariah Carey, man. I really, nothing I against still her. Love that track, man. I still love that track. Do, nothing do you get Shaken Stevens? Is that Shaken Stevens Christmas on being over in the States? Because that was my first Christmas single as a kid. I still love it. Merry Christmas, I mean, everyone. I love holiday music. I was in like singing clubs in school, even not just aside from religion. I like holiday music. I actually love, I love Handel's Messiah. I love holiday songs. I'm not very religious. I love Hanukkah songs, even like Adam Sandler. I like comedy. Uh, uh, Dave Grohl and this uh, LA musician, uh, uh, Dave Krusen, they make, they did like a whole, every Hanukkah, they do like a song a day for the eight days. And it's really fun. Uh, Covers usually, but you know, other things. Uh, Last year they did like uh, David Lee Roth and Van Halen. So like, you know, funny stuff. And, um, and they just started the first one today, which was like um, Blood, Sweat and Tears, Spin and Wheel <laughs> with uh, Judd Apatow, the film director and comedian as the singer. I was like, what is this devil magic? But it's great. I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm over it already. Mariah, I luckily don't listen to radio, but apparently she has once again risen to the top of the holiday. The chart in December is Mariah Carey and everybody else. We get the same eight songs every year um, in the UK, but I never know if, they, if the rest of the world gets them or not. But yeah, Mariah's always there. Shout I, out to Steve. I love Paul McCartney. I really do. But I want to say that Wonderful Christmas Time is maybe the worst song ever made, period. And that's a lot <laughs> of genres. That counts accounts for a lot of genres I hate personally. He's already, like, he's talking about the same guy that did Frog Chorus. So he's already got your feet on that one. It's so bad. I just want to break that synthesizer over his head. And I know he's a treasure. I have a whole, I was given for my birthday, like a, a giant compendium of all of Paul McCartney's lyrics with an analysis of each one ever. Beatles, solo music, Wings. It's like awesome. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I have this. Not even my favorite Beatle guy, but I was like, this guy's a genius, like everything he does. Not that song. Song sucks. If you like that song, go find the nearest window and jump out. And see you later. Um, just don't come back. Going very well. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm not against metal bands doing holiday albums. I love the Halford Christmas albums. I love the Twisted Sister Christmas album. Antheos just did Carol of the Bells. Bad Wolves did Carol of the Bells. I like funny, fun things. And I, I you know, metal in unexpected places. August Burns Red always has a Christmas show and a Christmas album. Um. So, you know, no, I'm not, it's not, I'm not against fun. I'm just against repetitive shit. I don't want to hear anymore. So I'm sorry about that rant, but uh, tirade enabled. And then um, to look ahead to January, as we begin a new, a new year. And uh, you and I talked about this as far back as the summer. It seems like great music comes out every year in January and it's forgotten. Even if it's the biggest, if Metallica's record was coming out in January instead of April, less people would care about it by December. I don't know why that is, but it is. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Um, but I mean, I think it's got a few a few bits to kind of shine a light on for for January. I think um, starting with the bigger ones. Now I'm going to put a little. I suppose it's probably too wrong at work, so we'll come back to these these albums as well. But I think for January, the three albums that probably 
three of the albums that people are most interested in are ones that I've been underwhelmed with. Um, but we've got a new obituary album, which I'm not feeling. Feels a bit phoned in, and John's vocals are—he's done better. Let's put it that way. I'm trying not to be, you know, to slam on a guy who's one of the best death metal vocalists ever. Um, the Vilo Valo album um, again feels a bit like him, light. Kind of, it's all right. It's decent. There's a couple of re- there is a couple of really good singles on there or tracks on there that should be singles. But as a whole album, it's hard to get through and still care by the time you get to the end of it. Uh, and Ahab, I'm not sure yet. I know you're similarly with Ahab. It's, I don't know. There's something that hey, um, a lot of people are loving the direction change. And maybe it's one that the time comes and the sound change kind of clicks, and I'll get there. But those three are, are out there as big releases, I think, for Jan that people are. Well, probably going to be interested in on a more positive note. The ones I wanted to cover that have um, spoken to me, if you like, they've called to me, um, that I'm interested in. Uh, New Catatonia, I've only had a cursory glance at that and I really like it. Uh, bit of a you know, bit of a shoe in for me to like Catatonia, I'd be surprised if I didn't. Um, the uh, Anti Flag album, that's the first release of the year, 6th of, of Jan. Oh, brilliant. Love it. Starting the year with a, with a just a a oh, huge ball of energetic, great tunes and great, great songs. Um, so that's, that's good. And then coming later into, into the month, um, pick out a random, I said not a random one, but one that kind of um, caught my ears on Ripple, uh, coming out middle of the month, I have a scan through my list. 20th of January, band called Tidal Wave, an album called The Lord Knows. And it's cool, kind of like, um, I don't know, the, the tag to Stone of First Stuff, it reminds me of Orange Goblin. It's kind of up-tempo, beer, beer metal, you know, I'll be a rock, but in a good way, not too Neanderthal. It's got some good kind of, you know, some good jam stuff going on there um, for me. So I like in the tidal wave. And then the last two I wanted to highlight were, um, so coming back to Richard Benton's uh, Top 50 Death Metal, um, as you know, I, I do like my death metal, but I find I get distracted with large periods of time, months of time, where I'm just not in the space for listening to it. But running through Richard's uh, top top fifty, uh, not all of the fifty. There's you know, there's only so many hours in a day. Um, but I caught the bug again a little bit, um, and then scanning ahead uh, for what was coming up and what we might cover throughout January. There's two two albums out on the 27th of uh, Jan, I believe, both on the 27th anyway, towards the end of the month, if not. Um, one has a terrible name, um, and it's Faith Extractor. It's spelled Faith X Tractor, and I can't help see it. It's two words with like a hardcore straight edge X in the middle of it, but uh, it's really good. It's kind of like um, the album covers like a stereotypical cheesy thrash kind of demons and monsters and hell dimension stuff going on or whatever and all that sort of stuff. But it's just, it's really good kind of just uh, good solid death metal, you know, fun death metal, uh, riff chuggy kind of. Um, it sounds like people enjoying enjoying what they're doing and on a similar vein um on redefining darkness uh very cool uh underground label uh band called seven doors uh so it's a one in uk death metal band albums feast of the repulsive dead and similarly it's just big riffs horror death metal um not too early cannibal corpse not too blasty just got that dirty kind of chugginess like autopsy when they're in the like the you know the sweet spot pocket you know that sort of thing and um so yeah i've kind of been dragged back into the graves and the the, the pus kind of at the start of the year but there's two albums in particular that really really uh really landed with me and i'm yeah, loving the seven doors in particular it's just, just 
Go Big Riffs. <laughs> big Riffs is a big seller, man. That's a big <laughs> hook to get me, uh, you know, locked into a new music. Uh, I also have checked out the new Anti Flag. Very consistent, great political band. Great guys. I met them in person once. Uh, interviewed them before. Looking to interview them again. Very, you know, always looking forward to their records. Um, also, Catatonia. Saw them recently in concert. Mind blowing. Sad. Doomy. Heavy. No let up. Very consistent. Their whole career. No real bad records. Uh, have not heard the Ville record yet. I was cautiously optimistic. We'll see what happens. Uh, three records that we didn't discuss. Polar, which is a kind of post-hardcore band. That's like, I feel like they still haven't found their legs, but they're now they're starting to. And I think it's a very crowded field, so it's hard to kind of break through. Um, and, you know, uh, you see other bands start that path and they're like, well, we can't ever be better than X, so we're going to just take a left turn, which is fine. Polar is trying to just get better at what they do best. And I like that approach. Kind of reminds me of Architects a little bit. Um, a little bit. Um, Jared James Nichols, who we probably need to... I just ran my interview with him today. I interviewed him at Aftershock Festival. He's kind of a blues rock guitarist. He's open for Black Label Society. Brilliant guitar player. Not super duper shreddy. Very tasteful. Obviously, he can play guitar. And people are like in awe of his guitar skills. But actually... He writes great songs and he's got a really good voice. He's also like a giant hulking dude. He looks like Roddy, Roddy, <laughs> like Roddy Piper in They Live. He's just yoked, but he's really nice. And he's got a very sweet voice, actually, like a soulful voice. So like you don't expect, you know, I think about like Stevie Ray Vaughan, like sweating to death under a coat and that hat and that tie and just, you know, Fender Telecastering. And then this guy's like built so strong and, and so, and so soulful. So that's a record. I'm, I'm super stoked about self-titled record. Um, and I think that's black Hill recordings. Um, and I may have somebody in mind for that review. I'll reach out to them and clue you in. And then uh, late in the month, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming out. A lot of records are coming out. And I, and I think like a lot of people are trying to cram in stuff in January because February is a very heavy month typically in the business. And it's like, you don't want it. You know, and if I get lumped in with everybody there, I might get missed. So let me come out in January. So I think there's a very heavy end of the month, but a record that I took a little shine to is oozing wound. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Could be, could be great title. And again, very heavy, gnarly riffs, gnarly vocals. Uh, sounds like a good workout mix record so far. What I've heard, I liked uh, listening about. A third yeah, that, I've not heard of them before. And it's a really kind of, um, uh, vivid band name <laughs> and I like yeah. the album as well beautiful yeah, yeah. Cowards. yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, kind of uh, drew me in as well and yeah it's kind of got a, like reminding me in a weird way of um, some of the 90s alternative metal stuff like bands like Mother's Day but in, in a in a really really odd kind of way and maybe that's just my ears hearing something that I don't think they're an influence at all but it kind of put me back into that kind of as I know, that kind of space a little bit, some just cool night stuff underneath it. But yeah, uh, that's, that's a good that's one. A, yeah. That's a great call out. I think uh, our former uh, scribe, Alita Liyame, is a huge Mother's Day Out fan. She and I have had many conversations about that band. And I was a big fan. I think I saw them at a um, industry showcase in New York City in the 90s. And uh, yeah, fun band. It's interesting. There's a lot of... Um, this post grunge is getting bigger and bigger. Right. It's not a big thing that we had covered this year, 
but I have a sinking feeling that two like is always like, oh, some weird genre is going to like present itself to the not necessarily the mainstream, but just kind of like surface with a lot of releases. And I think there's a lot of sort of seethery wish they could be Alice in Chains Nirvana bands that are coming yeah. off as like noise rock or noisy punk, but they're just post grunge. No offense. And then I also think there's a wave of new metal bands coming. And because the U.S. has that big new metal festival that's already looking Bananas. Oh, so like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the uh, uh, what is it? A sick new world. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually applied to cover it already. <laughs> like we applied to go cover it. It's got everybody but Limp Biscuit. It's literally every band except them in that genre. So I can just see you getting your spiky hair wig uh, thing going. Ball chain and uh, yeah. yeah, I'll paint on a tattoo of a barbed wire on my arm and roll my sleeve up and wear big Jenko pants. But um, also that festival has like a lot of goth and industrial. And we've seen like a lot of great industrial records the last couple of years. So I wonder just hinting it, you know, crystal balling it, if that's what we're going to start seeing when the more releases are announced. And no, just- I think so. And I think there's a big gap for it. And I think because where, where a lot of that space has been taken up the last few years has been kind of really safe indie rock, but with a slightly heavy, you know, kind of like a, an overdrive on a Fender Strat kind of whiny music. But there's a space, there always has been for good, kind of intelligent, um, so it's soulful, you know, emotional songwriting um, with a kind of a no- noisy but dirty kind of um, went to it. It's, yeah, well, 30 years since since Nirvana and Soundgarden and uh, Pearl Jam came out, and it's not really had much of a revival in between, maybe because you can't, you know, maybe it's for you can't imitate, but there's enough space gone by now enough time um and when was the the stoner revival about 30 years after sabbath when it with the sword and, and everyone that suddenly appeared with naughty so yeah maybe cycles we were about the right time we've had our 80s revival we're just at the other side of uh blade runner soundtracks influencing every every album and a bit of synth wave and but yeah it could be but i hope so as well because that's sort of um it's always seen as like the grunge bit was was ridiculous, like changed our music taste and our lives and stuff. But it was over and done within about two or three years. And it was like really focused on three or four huge, well, a bit more than that, five or six huge, really influential bands. But by the time like Stone Temple Pilots get to like four and stuff like that, then they're done. Yeah, no one cares anymore. And it'd be good to get the, I guess, the legacy to be revisited 30 years later with, with all the other influences and stuff that's happened in between. And maybe you mix grunge up with a bit of tech, kind of, you know, proper guitar playing in there and stuff but yeah so i come right off track Uh, yeah that's fine (laughs) i'm just yeah sorry to take us completely off the rails but i just i just have i'm looking forward to whatever the surprises are we had some good surprises this year i would like some more next year and uh bands don't be afraid to you know i i feel like the either the new metal influence is infiltrating hardcore uh, I have a hunch that there's going to be some surprise records coming out that we haven't heard announced yet. I know I have no prior knowledge, but that much. No. But uh, yeah, I have a gut feeling we're going to get some some wild left left curves and left turns. And I'm here yeah, for I it. Think, You're here for it. Right. I was going to say, and we look at like a couple of years back, it's stuff like Poppy, and there was no follow up to it immediately. But then you always get two or three years later. So when Code Orange was around with. Um, the, the, well, I say the first album, second album. Um, it was two or three years before you start to see that influence come through in in bands like Harrier and, and so on. So yeah, yeah there's time for the, some of the weird stuff to really kind of and the new metal adjacent or the 
they're growing up near metal, shall we say. Um, but I am not, I'm not a hater. Um, at the time, like back in the yeah, the 90s, was my Skid Row and Iron Maiden shirts. Oh, it's like corn were the worst things ever happened. Got to 1998 and for the leader, I was like, hang on a minute, yeah. Really get the validity of it. Mm. It was just, the, yeah. Um, and if we can get the quality of it, like played seriously with, you know, well, you see what comes out of it when, when you have bands like that that are adjacent to it and then pick it up and do things properly if you like like Deftones who never were a new metal band for me but come from that that background they influence you could have something really really special that comes out this year in that and that's sort of ballpark I reckon right I uh they uh that'll be a longer conversation for another time but only with you and not Gaz because he hated them um <laughs> all time still the all-time funniest bit ever was like and the number one album Deftones and he was like uh <laughs> it was yeah. great he was like no comment sir i was like perfect uh and all well, shout out shout out and to guess. i mean it won by a landslide too i think it wasn't close and um and it was a competitive year it really was so anyway fun times here at the ghost call hq and the virtual hq and uh once again man it's always a pleasure to chop it up with you and talk about all this stuff and uh just really looking forward to the new year best holidays i uh, as people will be listening to this it'll be over the holidays so I, I hope you've had a splendid holiday and everybody comes back recharged with fresh ears for all this exciting new rock and metal and other things next year and uh, i appreciate anybody on this journey with ghost cult to explore and and review and check out all these things no uh, thanks i'm gonna chuck one more name in this is a band uh i like it i don't think many of us will but it's a band called mono inc uh, yeah, yeah, that's another one. Stuff. So we've, we've we've pulled uh Raging Rosie out of retirement to pick up the review of this early next oh, year. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's, that's like off the off the radar kind of sleeper potential hit. That one it reminds me of Sentence, and I like them a lot. So all right, <laughs> I'll check it out. Uh, once again, this has been the Ghost Cold Magazine podcast. I'm Keefe. That's Steve. And uh, thanks so much for listening. And uh, we'll see you in the next one. See you later. This has been another episode of the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. Check us out at ghostcultmag.com and follow our socials at Ghost Cult Mag. Until the next time, peace.